0: Uh, is this the Lund Loop? If so, um, we wish to cancel. Um, we do not wish to belong to that or to pay this anymore. Thank you. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Lund Loop Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the intersection of markets, trading, and life. And in a little bit, I'm gonna talk about a covered call strategy. In fact, I'm gonna flesh it out in real time and I wanna get your input on it. I really want your input on this because it's something I'm still trying to figure out in my head. But first I have to make a confession. I just threw my son into a swimming pool. No, you don't have to call Child Protective Services. Here's the deal. So I dropped the ball on my son and his swimming lessons. My daughter learned to swim when she was like six or seven, but my son, a little bit later, because he's on the spectrum, there were just some issues around him learning to swim in the beginning. So I thought, well, we'll revisit it. Next thing I know, he's 13 years of age. He doesn't know how to swim. And that's a total abdication of my parental responsibilities. So I said, God damn it, we're gonna get you, uh, we're gonna have you learn to swim. So I found a swimming place local every Sunday he and I went over there and he, you know, he wasn't his favorite thing to do, but he did pretty good at it to the point where the teacher was like, he's getting good. Does he want to be on the swim team? And of course he's like, no, no, no. So I said, nah, I don't think he wants to be in the swim team. But I said, is he water safe? And she said, yeah, he is. So I told him, I said, look, we can stop taking swimming lessons, but here's the deal. When we get to summer, you're going to have to jump in Mary's pool. Now, Mary is one of my neighbors, super nice older lady, has this beautiful big house, lovely pool, says, anytime you want, just come on over. You don't have to call me, you don't have to ask, just use my pool as if it's your pool. So I said, all right, we're gonna gonna jump in Mary's pool at some point. So today was a day, went over there, he got on the diving board, piece of cake, jumped in, swam to the side. I said, all right, do it again, but this time swim to the shallow end, no problem. No goggles on. So he's water safe. So I can check that off my list, uh, my dad list. Uh, some A couple people have asked me about an update on my clean eating endeavor that I'm on right now. So for those of you that don't know, I made the decision three weeks ago that I was going to do this clean eating, drinking exercise thing leading up to my 55th birthday, which is in late September. And I kind of am modeling it after the whole 30 and kind of modeling it after the keto diet i'm not super strict on it if you know the whole 30 whole 30 is a a diet that really doesn't have any factual basis or it might have factual basis just by coincidence you know like that broken clock thing um but basically the the idea of the whole 30 is no alcohol of course no added sugars and super reduced sugars, no carbohydrates in the form of like breads and crackers, no dairy, no crap, no fast food. It's basically a heavy meat, vegetable, fruit. Uh, I think you can have seeds, a couple other things. It's weird, like you can have baked potato, but you can't have corn, I don't know, whatever but it's generally a pretty clean way of eating and, and keto as you probably know is mostly a, a, a carnivore diet so I thought okay here's what I'm here's my main goal the first thing I'm gonna cut out is alcohol second thing I'm gonna cut out is sugar I think sugar's the devil even more than alcohol so sugar alcohol fast food that's a big problem for me I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute uh, I'm gonna cut out Carbohydrates in the form of pastas and breads. I'm gonna cut out crap, basically junk. Try to hydrate, drink a lot of water, basically stick to vegetables, fruits, and meats. And what's really interesting, I say it's interesting, it's, it's. I don't know if it's so much interesting as it, it's no duh. We go through life searching for answers. Answers to relationship problems, Answers to existential problems, to health problems, to trading problems. I have had chronic gastritis for years. It's no big deal. It's like I went to get a my colonoscopy, endoscopy, when I was 50. And the doctor says, no, nah, everything's good. You've got chronic gastritis. Like, it was no big deal. I guess a lot of people have it. And chronic gastritis just means, you know, your stomach gurgles, or you feel bloated from time to time, or... Other things happen that I'm not going to get uh, in the graphics about. But you get used to it. You get to, uh, you acclimate. It's not a big deal. Every now and then, maybe it gets a little acute or it flares up and your stomach is like, uh, but it's just this general low-level ickiness that's with you. So anyway, going back to the answers. The key to life is not finding the answers. Those are easy. It's taking the action. So after eating clean, cutting out the sugars and the alcohol and the crap for three weeks. Oh my God, my stomach is perfectly fine. In fact, it was like that after a week. No gurgling anymore. No rum- Things that I've had for five, 10, seven, 15 years, gone. It's crazy not eating three or four Del Taco tacos every other day. Crazy what that will do. So... I don't know, it's, it's, like, it's like trading. Uh, I don't know, I keep losing money. I don't know what I should do. I don't know what the answer is. Well, the answer is a Bayer stops, take small losses. Answer is easy, the action is tough. So anyway, feeling good. The first few days I had that keto flu thing where you're a little bit like, Ugh. then I bounced back and I thought, okay, I'm past it. And I had a little bit of a dip after about a week and a half. And then at two weeks, like energy rockets kicked in. And I used to have this dip in the afternoon, like between two and four, that was just brutal. I have to sometimes take a nap. Totally gone. I'm back out to hiking. It's really been great. Now the question is, how do I, how do I wrap this up, or do I wrap it up? And I've had I had this conversation with a lot of people, and of course, you know, alcohol is an ongoing thing that I've considered in my life if it should be there. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I fucking like beer. I mean, not like just, let's, I I never get drunk. I just like beer. I like the taste of beer. I like the social aspect of beer. Um, So I'm trying to figure out, can I incorporate it into my life and not have the downside? And here's what the downside of of beer is for me. It's never, it's never bad. Like I'm never hung over. I never miss obligations it just makes me feel like Ugh, a little bit sluggish you know during the week you know you, you have a beer two three days in a row you just like Ugh, you know and i just don't like feeling that way i don't like feeling that way at 55 now i would like to though saturday night have a couple beers right so what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to formulate this as i'm as i'm going through this in my mind is like i think like i said sugar's the worst and i've been Cutting sugar out. So I I think that's, uh, the other thing I forgot, sodas, right? Like I I drink way too much soda and that's a lot of sugar. Totally cut that out. So I think the deal is this. I cut out soda, sugar, fast food, uh, cut down on carbs. Not so much like your pastas, but like crap, like eating a bunch of Doritos before you go to bed, right? Uh, Doing all that stuff, exercising, staying hydrated. If I'm doing that stuff, I think I'll be able to have those two beers, three beers on a Saturday, and it's not going to be a problem. Jumping to a related subject, one of the reasons has been so successful is because I really planned it out this time, and I find that as I'm getting older, I'm getting more anal, more OCD. Maybe it's just a reaction to my ADHD, but I'm really starting to be able to create strategies and structures for all sorts of things. I had a big leap forward during COVID in all sorts of areas, my drumming, my trading, my relationships, uh, just the way I organize my room or my house. I don't know what it is. It's, uh, it's really surprising, but very um, unexpectedly surprising that this happened at 53, 54. So going into this clean eating thing I really prepped ahead of time because my biggest weakness is laziness Uh, like I'll I get hungry and I want to eat and the quickest thing I can eat is fast food so I eat crap right or I just eat at unexpected times so what I did is I planned out how I was going to approach my meals morning meals always easy that's yogurt Metamucil because I'm older and a couple cups of tea and that holds me until lunch. Lunch is where it starts to go off the tracks. That's when I grab the crap, the the Arby sandwich or whatever. So what I did this time is I went to Costco and I bought, you know, the four pack of New York strip steaks, bought a bunch of artichokes, which I love, corn on the cob, a bunch of potatoes. And so every day at lunch, it's like clockwork. I put a steak out about two hours before I'm going to cook it so it gets to room temperature. Uh, then about an hour before I want to eat, just take a potato, put some olive oil, salt and pepper, put it in the oven at 400 degrees for an hour. Then about 20 minutes before, turn on the grill, take a corn, you know, piece of corn on the cob, put some olive oil, salt, pepper, butter, wrap it in tin foil, And then I just throw that in the steak on at the same time, cook them. It's about 20 minutes, give or take let the steak rest for five minutes, then that's my lunch. I'm gonna have a baked potato, corn on the cob, and um, steak. And then I'll also have, um, I'll have a LaCroix. That's my big soda substitute, which is also Whole40 uh, compliant. And so for me, the great thing about this is that it's easy to do. I like everything. It's healthy. I only eat about half the steaks. The steak I have the next day for lunch, I don't have to cook another steak. So it's really simple. And then, you know, dinners, some sort of modification of whatever we're having as a family for dinner. And then I've got a couple of they're not they're hacks, right? They're things that maybe technically wouldn't be on the whole 40 or the keto diet. But I, I think they're in the spirit of it. one is this thing called keto bark. It's a chocolate that I found at sprouts has zero sugar added. It's got less than one gram of sugar for these bars. It's got like 140 calories. Calories are not my issue. It's it's the crap that's my issue. They're great. They're satisfying. It's like a little dessert thing. And then wild blueberries. Like I'll eat two cups of wild blueberries, frozen wild blueberries. And that's my dessert. That's, you know, this keto bark thing and uh, the wild blueberries. So anyway, I feel great. I feel really good about this, and um, I think I will break this, at least in terms of the beer part, when the Future Proof event comes out here to Honey Beach on September 11th, because I'm I'm meeting a bunch of people out there and um, I wanna have a beer, you know? But I want to stick with the rest of this. I really think cutting out the sugar and the fast food is gonna be a big thing. And then just focusing on healthier foods in general, um, it's probably just going to be a, a net positive for me going forward. Uh, is this the lump loop? All right, enough about life. Let's flip over to trading. So, I thought about doing this as a deconstructing a trade video, but then I realized, well, I've got nothing to show. This is a strategy that I'm still trying to formulate, that I'm still trying to flesh out. And what I'm talking about is writing calls against an existing position over the long term. Now, I've done this before numerous times in my trading career. Uh, A few years back when DraftKings was trading in the 40s and 50s, for example, I wrote calls and puts against an existing position I had. I did that for a few months. I've done it in the past, but I think the problem I've always run into is that when I start a strategy like this, I convince myself that it's a long-term play. But then when there's really acute price action, the trader in me gets involved. And I wanna futz with the trade and I wanna micromanage it, I wanna try to optimize it. And I think that's been a problem because that's where that trader, short-term investor, long-term conflict comes and then you get something that's neither fish nor foul. So I was thinking about this during the sell-off and I think this is just a byproduct of the fact that I'm getting more I'm getting wiser, theoretically, as I'm getting older, but like I talked about before, for some reason in the last few years, I've been able to create structure and process much better in my life in a lot of different ways. And so I wanted to try to do this around this um, strategy. So I was sitting there thinking on the sell-off, there's lots of stocks I'd like to pick up and add to my retirement accounts. Like all of you, I have retirement accounts accounts that are nowhere near connected to my trading accounts. I don't manage them. I just let them go on autopilot. Some are managed by third party planners and some are just like basically dollar cost averaging and indexing. And I'll add to them when the market's down, but I won't like sell them when the market goes up. I'm not trying to trade them. I'm just trying to acquire them and let compound interest and and time uh, work to my advantage. But I was thinking, well, If I'm buying stocks that I think are gonna be there forever and I'm not planning to manage them and I'm not gonna trade them, why don't I create basically a dividend stream in the form of writing covered calls? And I mean, it seems so simple, right? I mean, for example, I bought Spotify and started doing this like a week and a half ago. I bought Visa and started doing this. Uh, I bought Peloton. Peloton's a little bit different. Visa and Spotify, I think, are going to be here forever. Peloton, I don't know that it's going to be here forever. I don't think it's going away. I think someone might buy it at some point. But it's so low priced that I think the risk is contained. But my idea is, well, if I'm going to hold these forever, why not bring the cost basis down? Why not generate income along the way? So if the stock doesn't go up or it goes sideways or even goes down over the next 15 20 years it doesn't matter because i've eaten away at the cost basis through the premiums from the calls obviously this is not a unique concept but again we go back to the answers and actions right we don't the, the answers are not a mystery it's just taking the action to to get your strategy to fruition And what I really want this strategy to do is go on autopilot. I want it to be like a cookie cutter, something I don't think about. And in order to do that, my thought process is, okay, I have a position. I'm going to write calls that are somewhere between 30 and 45 days out. And then when they expire or when I hit a certain profit target on them, I'm just going to do the same thing. So. The question is, what are the details? What's the best short-term option play? Is 30 days better than 45 days? Should I be going out a little bit farther? Should I be going out 60 days? Where am I gonna get the biggest decay in premium? That's number one. Number two is how far out do I put the strikes? So for example, let's say the stock is trading at 100. In my theory, I don't want to write it close enough where it might actually get exercised. And this is kind of a conundrum because the closer you write it to the price at that moment, the bigger the premium. And the farther out, the lower the premium. So I'm trying to figure out what's the area that gives me a decent premium but gives me the least chance that I'll actually get exercised because Let's say I write something at 110 for a 100 stock. If it goes up to 107, 108, 109, just under 110, that's ideal because I get the appreciation in the stock and I get the full premium. But if I write something at like 104 and it goes up to 106, well, yes, I get the premium, but I don't get that much on the move in the stock and they can also call me away. And so, Again, this is where I get in. This is where the trader gets back into my head. And I have to reset and say, the theory is I don't ever want it to hit my strike. I don't ever want it to hit my strike. I don't want to have to deal with having being assigned the stock. So I just want to capture the premium. That's all I want to do forever and ever and ever. So again, trying to figure out how far out to put the strikes so that I get a decent premium each cycle, let's call them a cycle, but I don't get exercised. All right, so then the other thing is, what do you do when the stock moves? Like for example, in the last couple days, the stock, these stocks have gone down. And of course my first inclination is I got to do something. Like I've only had the the covered call position on a couple of these for maybe like three or four trading days. And so the stocks drop down, about 70% of the option premium is gone now. So I'm like, okay, I've captured 70% of this option premium. What should I do? Should I roll it down? But then what if the stock rebounds because it has dropped and you know it bounces back? Or should I roll the strike out? I'm asking these questions because I don't know. I'm, I'm learning this process or I hope to learn this process as I go through it. Part of me says, I should be doing nothing right now, because again, what I really want to do is I want to capture the premium month after month or cycle after cycle. But then the other part of me says, well, I've already got 70% of it or 75% of the premium. Does it make sense to hang around for the other 25%? So I'm hoping some options experts will help me with this. Um, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, the stock rebounds we're not going to get much of an increase in premium um, we're still going to have you know decay but i might pick up some extra money from the rebound like so there's all these cross currents right and i don't really have them fleshed out except to know that i really don't want to get called away or i don't want to get assigned the stock i want the premiums to decay if i get some you know, if the stock goes up during that cycle and I get some profit, that's great. But that's not the underlying motivation because I'm not selling the stock, right? I'm not selling the stock for 10, 15, 20 years. So it's great, it looks good on your P&L, you made some money this week because the stock went up, but I'm really looking to capture that decay in the, the options that I write every cycle. All right, so As you can see, it's still a little convoluted here. Don't quite have it down. Um, But I do think that my cornerstone is that I don't care what happens to the stock. I mean, I really don't care. So that frees me up. It means I don't have to try and manage them. And since I don't have to try and manage them, I don't have to really worry so much about the stock price. It's more about the option and which one I write. I mean, let's say that the stock does go up and hits the option price and I get assigned or whatever. That's fine. you know, or I get called away, whatever it is, um, that's fine. I'll take that profit as well. But that's not what I'm shooting for. So so I have some things in this this strategy that I'm sure about, some I'm semi-sure about, and some that I have no fucking idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> so give me some feedback, would you? And that's where the podcast would normally end. But I just went back and listened to that segment to make sure everything was okay. And I realized something. I'm overthinking this. If I'm really gonna hold on to these stocks forever, and if I really just want to bring the cost basis down over time, it should be pretty simple. I need to write a call that won't get hit, but I wanna make sure that it's close enough to give me the best premium, but far enough away that it doesn't get hit. So that should be simple. And then there's no managing to do. I think the only problem comes if I write a call and one of two things happens. Either I get really close to expiration, or something happens and most of the premium is gone before expiration, let's say 80%, because the stock dropped. What do I do then? Do I just say, okay, reset, the stock has dropped, write something like one or one and a half standard deviations out? This is where this is the tricky part. So I think 75% of this previous segment I, I've figured out but it's this fine tuning that uh, I need help with. So help me. Um, I would like to repeat that want to be canceled from the Lund loop, whatever you've got me on. Um, If you wish to call and explain what it is. Uh, Actually, uh, forget that. Well, that's it for this episode. If you got any questions, hit me up at Brian V R I A N at the and I'll see you next time. Bye.